I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cancelled flights, chaos at the airport, and a summer of strikes ahead. It's hard to get into the holiday mood this year. If you suffer from airport stress, then look away now. Shocking scenes yesterday. EasyJet's chief operating officer has resigned. British Airways has dealt its passengers more bad news, announcing it's cutting... Passengers have found themselves stranded abroad, with flights being cancelled, in some cases, moments before their departure. I just saw the chaos and kind of like the disregard for people's belongings. I was really quite shocked when I saw it. All of this disarray ends up costing travellers more money than they might have budgeted for. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. This week, we've changed the show into Travel Clinic. Coming up, how to protect yourself against losing money on holiday bookings from claiming a refund after your flight's been cancelled, to dealing with third-party booking agents, to buying the right travel insurance and tracking down lost baggage, we're going to tell you how to ensure your travel plans stay financially safe. Joining me in the studio are two people very well positioned to guide our listeners through the financial do's and don'ts of holiday bookings. Simon Calder is a freelance travel writer and broadcaster who has been covering the travel beat with aplomb for several decades. Simon, it's an honour to have you in the FT studio today. Well, Claire, a pleasure and privilege to be here at times which are absolutely unprecedented. I'm sorry to use that term already, but I have, as you say, been covering aviation since the early 17th century, and there's <laughs> never been a summer like this. Well, we're glad to have you here, along with Harry Kind, who is an expert at which the consumer champion famed for its research that's also very much on the campaign trail for those who are affected by the latest wave of flight cancellations. Well, welcome, Harry. Hello. Yes, it's a, a pretty busy time for us at the moment, much that has been for Simon, uh, just trying to fight for people to get where they want to be. So explain to us, why is this happening now? Obviously, we've had COVID, we've had restrictions, they've now largely been lifted, the airlines have sold flights, demand has been there, but why can't they meet the demand? Well, British Airways and EasyJet both let go thousands of workers, but it wasn't universal. So Ryanair, which kept flying all the way through, they were just keeping their planes in the air, keeping their engineers, their cabin crew, their pilots employed, keeping the whole system running. They've had a, a very good summer so far, as has Jet 2. 
um, Leeds-based organisation, which again has just um, matched its resources to the demand for flights and hasn't sold lots of flights it simply can't deliver. And how about problems with ground staff and with air traffic control? They're things that keep coming up on the news as well. Yes, I mean, all the way across the aviation spectrum, of course, um, You, in order to get you and hopefully your luggage safely from A to B, you need an enormous number of people. Uh, and just one example, one evening, I think in May, uh, air traffic controller at Gatwick very sadly went sick. But the result of that was that they had to close the airport um, because there was no resilience in the system. And it is that lack of any flexibility that is really causing problems. Well, thanks for explaining that so clearly. Now, unsurprisingly, travellers are being left out of pocket with all of this disruption. We received this email from a Money Clinic listener, Lance. Here's what he said. Our flight home from Munich last Friday was cancelled at 8am that day. We were pointed to the British Airways app, which showed no more flights for some days. So I rang BA Help, which cut off a number of times. I tweeted, was asked for my booking reference, gave that, and again, no reply. So we acted on our own initiative and found flights back from Dusseldorf, bought tickets, rushed for trains and got back to the UK that night. Well, it later transpired that BA had in fact rebooked Lance on another flight back from Munich, departing on the Sunday. Two days later, he says he received no notification of this. He's been battling to obtain compensation for the cost of the Dusseldorf flights and travelling there by train from Munich. Simon, how typical is Lance's experience? Well, the experience of finding your flight suddenly cancelled is uh, unfortunately all too common. But when that happens, there's effectively three obligations that the airline has. Um, They've got to get you to your destination as soon as possible. And the Civil Aviation Authority has stipulated that has to be within uh, the same day if that is feasible, even if it means BA going out and buying a flight on EasyJet or any other airline that will get you to your destination. They also, if they can't get you there on the same day, have to put you up in a hotel and give you your meals. And then thirdly, if it's within two weeks, and this certainly looks as though it was, um, unless British Airways can demonstrate that this was caused by factors beyond their control, a so-called extraordinary circumstance, they also have to throw money at him. I'm thinking that, yeah, that Munich is um, £220 under air passenger rights rules. Well, I'll let you know what happened since we brought this to BA's attention. Now, in Lance's specific case, British Airways has now offered €250 worth of compensation per passenger, as Simon correctly (laughs) predicted, and it's asked Lance to provide details of the cost of his alternative flight back from Dusseldorf and the train so this can be refunded. And it has also offered an e-voucher for £100 as a gesture of goodwill, adding we never take cancelling a flight lightly as we know how disruptive this can be, especially as you weren't offered a rebooking option on the app. But Harry... I'll bring you in here. We talked about what the airlines have to do for disrupted passengers, but if Lance had travel insurance, maybe he would have been better protected? Um, Potentially. I mean, travelling 2022, it's belt and braces and an elasticated waistband, just anything that you can do to get any protection that you can. Um, The problem is, though, you know, travel insurance is a great part of that, but 
the travel insurance company would expect you to be pursuing your rights through the airline to get that compensation, to get that rebooking sorted before you then turn to them. So really, travel insurance should be that kind of tool of last resort that you shouldn't have to rely on. And they're expecting you to do the work first before you claim on it. Simon, what would you like to add on this insurance point? Travel insurance can, in some circumstances, but I would say very limited circumstances, help with flight cancellations. Where you might get some benefit from travel insurance is if the flight is cancelled, if there is no other way of getting you there, because frankly so many other flights have been cancelled, then you might, if you've booked uh, car rental or accommodation separately, be able to claim that from your travel insurance. But Harry, with COVID cases rising again in the UK, it's of course possible that listeners could have to cancel their own trips if they test positive. Now, would this be covered on travel insurance? How can people check? This is exactly where travel insurance comes into its own. Um, But there's a huge variability in the policies out there. We looked at like 199 different policies and found that the vast majority will give you some cover if you test positive, so have to cancel. But then if you're thinking, oh, I have to self-isolate because someone else has tested positive, a smaller number of policies give that protection. So you really have to check the small print on these ones. Mm. And then strikes. They're another contentious thing that your travel insurance may or may not cover. Yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you, that if you turn up at the airport and a flight has been cancelled because of a strike and there are further repercussions down the line for your holiday, that you'd be covered. But actually, four out of ten policies won't pay out in the event of industrial action. So, Harry, aside from travel insurance, what are the other protections listeners should be aware of? If you're booking flights or you're booking a holiday and it's worth more than £100, you should try and use a credit card if you can, Mm -hmm. because that then gives you Section 75 coverage. That means that if the travel provider cancels your trip or doesn't provide what was advertised, then you can claim through your card provider legally to try and get that money back. Mm. Well, lots to think about there. Great advice. Next up. I spoke to another money clinic listener who found herself with a very different and expensive travel problem, a situation other holidaymakers might find themselves in too. Meet 31-year-old lawyer Kaylee. She and a friend travelled to Italy from London for a short break. Their flight was delayed and the accommodation they booked in Amalfi said, unfortunately, their later arrival time would be too late for anyone to check them in. Keen for this not to spoil their trip, Kaylee messaged the property to say that they would check in the following day and she managed to find another hotel in Amalfi for the first night. The next morning, they sat down for breakfast on a terrace overlooking the Amalfi Bay, all set to transfer to their original accommodation. And I checked my email to see that we had been marked by the property as no-shows and that we would be charged for the entirety of our stay for those five days and basically our accommodation had been cancelled in its entirety. What? Yeah. (laughs) It was really upsetting, as I'm sure you can imagine. To be completely honest, I thought it was a mistake at first. Uh, So we kind of had a laugh about it and then called the hotel um, probably 12 times to no answer. And then one time someone did answer. And as soon as my travel companion made it clear who she was, they hung up on her. Kaylee had booked the hotel through a third party booking site. 
booking.com. So she contacted its customer services, who told her, no worries, just email the property saying you'll check in later today and then turn up at the check-in time. So we figured, you know what, it'll just get sorted. Let's just enjoy our morning. Um, And that's what we did. Uh, Until I received another email from Booking saying that Booking.com was sorry to inform us that our entire stay at that particular hotel had been canceled because we had, quote unquote, not respected their rules and hadn't informed them that we were running late. But hang on a minute. Kaylee had alerted the property via Booking.com's internal messaging system about the flight delay and their intention to check in a day later. She felt she had been treated unfairly and that her booking should be honoured. Kaylee started doing some digging. Although the property's reviews on Booking.com were very positive, she quickly found reviews from travellers on other sites who had been similarly caught out. Now she had two problems, trying to get a refund of around £1,000 for her cancelled booking and finding somewhere else to stay at short notice in Amalfi. Hardly a relaxing holiday. While we were actually on the ground in Italy, we spent about 16 to 20 hours over the course of the trip on the phone with their customer service. And in that time, we were being pretty regularly stonewalled by customer service, saying that if the property refused to refund us, that uh, Booking.com's hands were tied and there was nothing they could do. Pretty much everywhere was booked up. So Kaylee and her friend ended up paying an extra £3,000 for a hotel in Amalfi to cover the rest of their trip. Ouch! So ideally, how would you like this to be resolved? We would love to be compensated for the fact that we had to spend an extra £3,000. So I would love to know what an intermediary like Booking.com's responsibility is in a situation like this. Why was this 6.30pm cutoff um, you know, not made completely clear that it was enforceable to the point where they could cancel the entirety of our reservation and, and what responsibility does Booking have in that situation? Well, Simon, I'll come to you first. I mean, what do you make of this kind of situation? I'm going to start very unhelpfully, Claire and Kaylee, by saying I don't know that I would book a hotel on the beautiful Amalfi coast of southern Italy through a Dutch online travel agent. Um, the, the situation as we have it appears to be a case of some very, very tightly written rules that allow me, a hotelier, to say, sorry, gone half past six. We, you, know, we, you did read the email that we sent you uh, telling you that that was um, our rule. And you'll see that I've been, I am now legally entitled, just as if you missed a flight, to say you can't have any money back. I mean, the difference with a flight is that the plane's gone and that's it. With a hotel, the room's very evidently still there. It sounds like something, the sort of thing which uh, I'm sure Booking.com, being a responsible company, would look into. Um, they, they should be very concerned about this. And were it as easy as being two British companies, British Hotel, British Booking Agency, then I'm pretty sure you could get them under kind of unjustifiable enrichment. But of course, since we left the European Union, Everything to do with claiming from European organisations has become more complicated. And secondly, while I absolutely sympathise with Kaylee's position, to then spend £3,000 sounds excessive. There's a really good youth hostel down the road in Salerno, where last time I got a late flight and got stuck, um, I think it cost me £20. Well, interesting views there, Simon. Of course, 
we contacted Booking.com about Kaylee's experience. And the good news is it has now decided to refund the £1,000 that she paid on her credit card for the original Amalfi booking. While the check-in hours are clearly stated on the hotel partner's listing page, we are aware that in this instance, the delayed check-in was beyond the control of the customer, a spokesperson said. But what about the £3,000 in additional costs that Haley had to pay because the first property cancelled? Well, Booking.com had this to add. We are in contact with the hotel to understand what happened and why they did not respond to the customer's request directly. We empathise with the customer and continue to advocate on their behalf with the hotel owner in order to try and come to an amicable solution for all. Simon and Harry, what tips do you both have for travellers to avoid this situation or effective ways of complaining and obtaining compensation after the event? It does seem like another case of the messenger app striking again, where you have these conversations, you expect things to be happening in a customer service point of view, and it just doesn't happen. So getting screenshots at the moment it happens, downloading your chat logs can prove potentially that it's uh, booking's fault that they haven't had that conversation with the hotel. Um, But more generally, if you're getting that alternative uh, accommodation, not going for something which is that expensive generally de-risks the situation for you that you're not going to have a massive payout that you're unable to claim for afterwards. Mm. And in insurance policies, if you do have a clause that covers you for alternative accommodation in the event of something going wrong, there's often quite stringent limits. Yes. Generally speaking, you should be looking at your travel insurance at the claim limits for substitute accommodation. And often that will be a lot lower than what you're expecting. If you're going for an expensive holiday, then you might want to be looking for one with a higher limit. But generally speaking, you're not going to have much luck with claiming a £3,000 hotel trip. Now, our final case in today's travel clinic involves every traveller's worst nightmare. You're waiting at the airport baggage carousel and you keep waiting and waiting and then there was an announcement in Swedish and it was like go to the baggage handler's desk so suddenly everyone was it was a bit of like a crowd uh, like mass panic to get this form to say that your bag had not been received and this was at about 11pm at night 34-year-old Jill and her husband were in Gothenburg for four days to soak up Sweden's midsummer celebrations. But when their hold luggage didn't arrive with their flight, the first day of the trip was spent trawling around the shops. So I probably spent easily over £100-£120 just on that morning, just kind of panic buying stuff for the trip. Um, (laughs) This is really embarrassing, but I actually had to wear my husband's underpants as an emergency measure on the first day. Jill made it through the four-day trip in her newly purchased clothes, but her bag was still missing when she flew back to London. And it was on her return at Heathrow that her heart really sank. It was chaos at baggage collection. And she began to think she may never see that bag again. There was just thousands of bags in between each of the baggage belts. The new bags were being arrived, but in between each one was just bags, push chairs, um, so many different types of items that have been checked in, like children's travel seats, all just kind of across the floor. It was really crazy. Jill found a BA staff member who told her she could go through the bags to try and find hers. And it was literally like, I don't know, it felt like an impossible task. There was just so many bags. And after that, I felt really upset. Like I actually cried when 
I couldn't find the bag and it just felt really hopeless. Now, it's not that it was full of valuable items, although she reckons things inside were probably worth maybe a thousand pounds, all told, but some of the things she'd packed had enormous sentimental value. I know that from what I've seen, you need to have receipts of everything in the bag, which a lot of items I wouldn't have a receipt because they're like, you know, like, um, like for example, I have a belt in there that I've had for years that is just um, is one of my favourite pieces in my wardrobe. BA's given Jill a baggage tracking number, but now, when she looks up the number, her baggage keeps coming up as still lost. Jill hasn't heard anything back from BA yet about how to claim for compensation if the bag isn't found, and the information on their website is quite vague. So what would she like to know from our experts? I'd really like to find out what can I claim back from British Airways? Can I claim for clothes, toiletries, or is that too far? Um, It'd be really great to get clarity around that. Well, Simon, I'll start with you because you've got pretty punchy warning for anyone flying abroad this year in light of what's happened to Jill. Well, Jill, um, I'm so, so sorry. It sounds incredibly stressful. The last thing you needed, but as you have discovered, if you check anything in, assume that is the last you will ever see of your bag as it trundles off down that conveyor belt. If you've got that mindset, you almost certainly will get it back, but um, at least you'll know that you haven't actually packed anything irreplaceable. Well, she's going to hang on and wait, but if the bag is lost forever, can she claim money back for the airline, for her suitcase and what was in it, and for the other things she's had to buy? Yes, it's about £1,000. It's using a stranger currency called special drawing rights. Um, But again, that's only if you can demonstrate that you had stuff to that value. Some people take a picture of what's inside their case so that, in the event of any uh, claim being necessary, they can claim that back. While you're doing that, everybody, please put a big label inside with your name and address on. Assume that every single outside tag is going to be taken off, torn off by the baggage handling system. And if you don't do that, it will end up at the Unclaimed Baggage Centre at Scottsboro, Alabama. A fascinating place to go, but not somewhere you want your husband's smalls to turn up. <laughs> so... Harry, one thing that might have helped Jill in this situation is if she'd bought travel insurance. But how can holidaymakers choose an insurance policy that would actually pay out when something like this happens? So there is a limit on the amount that you can claim with lost baggage with travel insurance, and that varies massively, but also on the individual items and their value. And that can be as low as £150 as the maximum. So say you've got a a laptop or a tablet in there, you're really at risk of losing out unless you're getting particular cover, for example, gadget cover. Um, You might also want to look at whether your uh, valuables are covered by your home contents insurance and whether that can be extended for trips abroad. But some insurers will say that if you have checked in your valuables and you didn't have to, then they are not covered. So again, another great reason to just use carry-on. Well, good news. We got in contact with British Airways and Jill has now been reunited with her bag and her signature belt. Thanks to BA for stepping up the search. Well, Simon and Harry, any final advice for our listeners who are gearing up to go on their holidays? If you've not yet booked, then personally, I would say that your chances of getting to your destination with your baggage are very high if you are not flying from Heathrow on British Airways or from Gatwick on uh, EasyJet. 
And if you can avoid changing planes, that's where an awful lot of uh, bags go missing. Take cabin baggage if you possibly can. But for goodness sake, please look forward to your holiday. Anticipate it rather than just think of all the things that might go wrong, because they almost certainly won't. And Harry, do you have any final tips for our listeners? Just when you're buying that travel insurance, try and get it as early as possible, so before you book... Or if you've got a annual travel policy, make sure that all the holidays you'll be going on will be covered. Um, so all package holidays sold in the UK should come with atoll protection. It's a financial coverage scheme. And that means that if your provider goes bust, then you'll get a free refund. But also if that happens while you're abroad, the atoll protection scheme will make sure that you get home without any charge. Well, thank you both very much for joining me in the studio today. If you want to hear more from Simon, including details of his Instagram live travel clinics, please check out the link in today's show notes. And there's also a link to my latest FT column with tips on how to get the best deal of spending money overseas. That's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, get in touch. You can email me, our address is money at ft.com, or DM me on Twitter, Instagram or TikTok. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced by Persis Love and Philippa Goodrich. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragosa. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.